0: Found This amazing story. And I love it. During the Battle of Waterloo on June 18th, 1815, the French under the command of Napoleon were fighting the Allied forces under the command of Wellington. The people of England depended on a system of signals to find out how the battle was going. One of these signals was on the tower of Winchester Cathedral. Late in the day, it flashed the signal. Wellington defeated just at that moment, a fog cloud made it impossible to read the message. The news of defeat quickly spread throughout the city. The whole countryside was sad and gloomy when they heard the news that their country had lost the war. Suddenly, the fog lifted, and, remember, and uh, suddenly the fog lifted, and the remainder of the message could be read. The message had four words, not two. The completed message was Wellington defeated the enemy. It took only a few minutes for the good news to spread all over the city. Sorrow had turned to joy. Defeat had turned to victory. And it was just like that for the disciples when they crucified Jesus and they put him in the grave. It must have been absolutely overwhelming for them. Hope. The hope that they had was just disintegrated. Jesus had died, and their hearts had died right along with him. Those who were closest to Jesus pretty much lost all of their hope. Can you imagine the anguish? Can you imagine just the incredible emotional depletion of their lives? After the horror of the crucifixion, after that horror, the fog of disappointment, And misunderstanding consumed them. It must have consumed them. They only read the first part of the message. Christ defeated was all they knew. That's all they saw. They crucified him. They put him in the grave. And all they could really read was the first part of the message. Christ defeated. But on the third day the fog of disappointment and misunderstanding was lifted. It was lifted and the world could read the rest of the message. They could see the rest of the message. Christ defeated death. Christ defeated death. Defeat was turned to victory. Death was turned to life. Can you imagine what was going on in their hearts when they saw the resurrected Christ? When they were so down, when they thought they were defeated, when they thought it was all over, it wasn't over, it was just beginning. This morning, we're going to continue our series, What If? And I want to answer the question, what if Jesus didn't rise? What if Jesus didn't rise? And as I studied this topic this week, I was going through it, I found so much information that really pertained to the Christian and, and really focused on the believer. What if Jesus didn't rise? How does that affect the believer in Jesus Christ? And that's, that's extremely important. But I don't, want to spend, I don't want to spend too much time on the theological implications as it relates to believers. Because the things I'm going to describe relate to all of us. But I don't want to spend too much time on the theological implication as it pertains to believers. So let me just share a few. If Jesus didn't rise... Okay, if Jesus didn't rise, we are all still separated from God and we are dead in our sin. If Jesus didn't rise, there is no forgiveness. Preaching the truth of the gospel is useless. Jesus is a liar. The disciples are liars. The Bible is untrue and therefore useless. Your faith is useless and there is no hope for eternal life in the future. Happy Easter. (laughs) Just to name a few. If Jesus didn't rise, all those things are true. But why are they true? Well, C.F. Evans, a theologian, said this. Christianity is a religion of the resurrection. More than anything else, we count on the reality of the resurrection. It is attacked. It is denied. It is ridiculed. It is ignored. It is explained away constantly because it is the vital point in Christian faith that holds up everything else. And naturally, the enemy hits at that reality. Paul said it. Absolutely, he was absolutely clear when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen. Listen to these words. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. If Christ Jesus was not raised, our faith is futile. We are still dead in our sins. It is hopeless. See, but as I process through this, I I realize that most most skeptics or people don't believe in the resurrection or believe in God. They don't care about any of that stuff. I mean, they may, may not even understand really a lot of what I just said. So they don't—they don't care about that. They don't care if the disciples were a bunch of liars. Jesus was a liar. They don't, they, as a matter of fact, they think disciples were liars, and that basically God is a myth. He's a myth. You know, he's a crutch. Like people need it and even they need to believe God. And so there's no, they're not thinking who cares about any of that stuff. And I, I thought about that and it really mattered to me because I know that an Easter, especially there's a mix of people that are here and, you know, and some people they, they, they have processed through this a little bit in their minds and that's the conclusion they've come to there. They pretty much doubt any of this stuff. So I want to dig a little deeper. This is important to everyone. So I want to dig a little deeper. I know we could hit the theological implications for believers if Jesus didn't rise. Those are all important and you could do some deep study on those. But I want to go a little deeper um, because Jesus loves the doubter. Love doubting Thomas, he loved, he loves doubters, he loves people who question. He 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 loves you. He loves you to death and he wants to have a relationship with you. Because Jesus knows what I know, okay, that God is truth and all truth leads to God. So when when a person thinks, when when I, I want to challenge you this morning to use your mind. You can't come here this morning and just go, Easter sermon, and I'm here because I was forced to come here. I'm going to turn off my mind. Turn it back on just for a couple of minutes. I promise. Just, just a couple of minutes. Okay? Jesus absolutely loves doubters. So let me share a few other truths that may, or I should say, really should matter to you if you're struggling with belief. You struggle with believing in God. Okay? I'm going to share a few few truths that really should matter to you. These are important. So the question is, what if Jesus didn't rise when it comes to... People who are struggling with belief or don't, and don't really believe in God. What if Jesus didn't rise? I'm, I have four things I want to share with you, and I would love, absolutely love, this week, if you want to give me a call, I'll give you my number, or you can get it out of the bulletin or whatever else. Give me a call this week. If you want to talk about this further, I absolutely love this stuff, okay? So you won't be bothering me by calling me and saying, you know, you said this, but I'm struggling with this question. I understand that, but how about this? Love it, okay? Absolutely love it. You got questions? I have some answers, okay? I'll do my best to answer some of your questions. So if Jesus didn't rise, number one, your life has no purpose or value. You don't care about that other stuff. But listen to me. If Jesus didn't rise, there is no God. Okay, there's the implication. Okay, because God didn't raise him from the dead. You know, maybe there's something out there somewhere. But I'm talking about Jesus didn't rise. And the first implication there, if Jesus didn't rise, is that your life has no purpose or value. You say, wait a second. Now Now you're getting my attention. What do you mean? Why do you say that? Why would you say that? Because without God, a naturalistic worldview, when I say naturalistic, it means there's no miracles, there's no God involved. You know, this just all happened, okay? It just all happened. You don't know how it happened, but it all happened. In a naturalistic worldview, that believes that life is accidental, okay? It's completely accidental and arbitrary. In other words, it's pure luck, it's random chance. You've heard that before. Everything's just accidental, it's, it's, you know... It's random chance. It's just it's all luck. It's just all luck. Well, if everything—if there is no God and everything just accidental and and random and and uh, an arbitrary and by pure chance, then there is no purpose or value in life. There's no purpose or value. See, when you deny God, meaning or when you when you deny God, meaning and purpose only—they're only a delusion of the mind created. To keep you from total despair, hear me out. There is no God. Okay, you didn't. He didn't create you. So all you're left with is you, nothing created everything, and here you are by random chance, by chance mutation. Uh, it's pure luck. Okay, and it was accidental. It was arbitrary. So then you have to ask yourself, so what is, what is, what is meaning and purpose and what we do as human beings because we don't, that, we can't live with that as human beings. So we create in our own minds, we create this, this delusion in our minds as human beings that we have purpose and value. Otherwise, you would live in total despair. Who wants to get up in the morning, tomorrow morning, and go to work know, knowing there's no purpose in what you're doing? Well, I'm going to make a dollar. So what? The ant's going to pick up a piece of bread and bring it back to his anthill. There's a worm. You move your dirt and there's some worm underneath there. What's the difference between the worm, the ant, you just kind of scattering around? Just just here by chance. There's no purpose. There's no value in what you do. And that's that's very difficult for human beings to understand. So when we say there's no God, we delude ourselves in our minds because the alternative is unlivable. It's unlivable. The only value you have or others have are what human beings can conjure up in their own minds. And so we create this in our own minds. And the human, the human mind decides. It depends on the individual or the culture at the time. It just depends on that. Ask the Jews, think about this, ask the Jews in the 1940s about man having the choice to determine human value. Frederick Nietzsche okay, said that God is dead and we have killed him. God is dead and we have killed him. He said that in the 19th century. Okay? Do you know what the bloodiest century in the history of humanity was? Anybody? The 20th century. So in the 19th century, he said, God is dead and we have killed him. He spread that philosophy. That was the philosophy that was spread at the time. God is dead and we have killed him. That was the 19th century. And the 20th century was the bloodiest century in human history. When man decides purpose, meaning, value, it ends poorly. Very poorly for a lot of people. Russia and China at that time, okay, you had some Mao Zedong, I'll use him, and there's there's others in Russia and China. You have these leaders. Between the two countries, they killed over 60 million people. Religion is the opium of the people. Okay, God does not exist. God is dead, and we have killed him. When God is dead and we have killed him, if you have no value, okay, only what they choose for you to have, then I can decide the Jews aren't really people. They don't have value. These people over here who don't agree with me, they don't have value. In and of themselves. The only value they have is what I say they have or what the collective says they have. Sixty million people are killed. I have purpose. You have purpose and value because you're created in the image of God, regardless of what any dictator, what any culture, what any individual, what anybody says. I have value in and of myself because I'm created in the image, the very image of God. And Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for me. I have value, you have value, you have purpose, you have meaning. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. Take God out of the equation, okay? Take God out of the equation, no purpose, no meaning to life, and no value. Only what you conjure up in your own mind, you delude yourself in your own mind, the little bubble world you create around yourself to say, yes, I'm important, I'm important, because you can't live with the reality of there not being a God and you doing everything you're doing in life for absolutely. You're raising your family. You're going to work, all those things. The only purpose they have is what you choose to give to, to, to you choose to give them in your own mind. Number two, if Jesus didn't rise, there is no justice in this life. Now, I don't I know I'm not going to get picky. I know there are jails and people get put in jail and they do something sometimes. But here I'm going to give you a 30,000 foot view here. If Jesus didn't rise, there is no true justice in this life. I was talking to someone uh, this past week and they said they were an atheist and they said that they are a good person and they try really hard to not inflict the hurt and, and pain on other people that was inflicted upon them. They had a very difficult life. And they, a lot of people did some things. They were hurt by it. And these people had gotten away with it. And they try not to be that kind of person to other people. And in the conversation, they brought up the word justice. They used the word justice. But if Jesus isn't risen, then there, there is no future judgment. There is no justice. There's no justice. There's no justice. And most of what people inflict upon other people, and you all know this to be true, okay? Most of what people inflict upon other people in this world for the, for all the years of our existence, okay? All of those, most of it, almost all of it goes unpunished. Almost all of it goes unpunished. Let me give you an example, a glaring example. Mao Zedong, okay? The, the emperor, ruler, China. He killed upwards to 70 million people. Grasp that. that Historically, you can read it 40 to 70. Okay. So upward, I'm saying to 70 million people, he's responsible for starving, killing because they didn't agree. Whatever the case may be, 70 million people go read his life. So he did all those things. All those people are dead. 70 million people die. And then in 1976, he died. And that's it. No God, no resurrection, okay? He got away with, basically got away with, lived a pretty good life too. I mean, because you know the people on top, they live it up. Seventy million people are dead. But you know what? Well, can I tell you? Let me give you some other examples. Child trafficking, okay? Rampant in this world. And I'm not going to get into the horrors of what happens to these children, Okay. Slavery, all the slavery that goes on all over the world, genocide, physical and emotional abuse. And here's the thing. Most of what's been inflicted on the people in this room, you can go back in your own life. Most of what's been inflicted upon you, what's caused you such heartache, pain, difficulty, all these things, has gone unpunished. Just happened. It just kind of, it happened to you. So if Jesus is a liar and there is no resurrection, You have to live with evil, predatory, greedy, arrogant, nasty, selfish behavior, and all you can honestly really say at the end of the day is, "What a bummer for me!" What a bummer. Honestly, I'm not being funny. What a bummer. As one of my really close friends, who's an atheist, says, "Gosh, it's it's just bad luck." You you went through that, I know, and it's horrible. You know, you suffered. You suffered so, there's so much suffering. But you know, gosh, it's just bad luck. That's what you're left with, bad luck. Not my words. What they did to you, personally, you, what they did to you, um, it's too bad for you. Um, You have to live with it and then die and the person who inflicted it they live and sometimes they live much better off and then they die in the end people's cries for uh, against help against injustice and suffering go unheard because no one hears it So all the things you sit around, you you guys all, I don't care if you've never been in church before in your life, you sit around and go, that is wrong. I don't understand. This is wrong. There's so so much injustice in the world. Why do these people, and why is this, and why is that? Well, why are you asking the question? I'm sorry. It's bad luck for all those people. Just bad luck. What a bummer. Too bad. Oh, man. They live. They're They're dead. The other guy, well, he's dead too. If Jesus didn't rise there is no justice in the world that is you have to live you have to think through your worldview you have to think logically through and rationally through your worldview you deny god god you know god did something in the past you did you asked for something god didn't do it you got angry so you decided in your mind there is no god but what you didn't do is you didn't keep thinking and say, now that I believe this, now that this is my worldview, okay, got out of the equation, now this is my worldview, I didn't, you don't follow your, lo- your, your worldview to its logical conclusion. That's all I'm asking you to do. That's all God wants you to do. He wants you to follow your worldview to its logical conclusion. Number three, if Jesus didn't rise, it is very hard, and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but it is very hard for you not to be hypocritical while you're living out your worldview. If there is no God, Jesus did not rise from the dead. It is very difficult for you not to be hypocritical when you live out your worldview. Let me give you an example. All right, so um, you're listening to me right now, and it's fairly, maybe a little interesting. But you're thinking, you know, Pastor Jeff, you're wrong though about the resurrection and God. You're just wrong. You know, you need God. I don't know why you need him, but you're wrong about the resurrection, wrong about God. And, and then you're also thinking that whole mousy tongue thing. It really bothered you because 70 million people were killed, and it just seems so unjust. Well, he was just evil. You're thinking to yourself, he was evil. He was wrong. He was evil. We all know that, right? He's all wrong and evil. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. You're using some words that according to your own worldview are inconsistent. Those are inconsistent with your worldview. Again, we have to, if there's no God, that's using words like wrong and evil are inconsistent with your worldview. And you say, what the heck are you talking? Let me, let me try to explain it. When you use words, think about this, like right and wrong, good and evil, All right. We do it all the time. Everyone does it. Everyone makes judgments. Judge not. Oh, everyone makes judgment. They say this is wrong. This is right. This is good. This is evil. When you use words like right and wrong, good and evil, you have to assume a moral law that determines what's right and wrong, good and evil. Right. If you assume a moral law, you have to assume a moral law giver that lays out that moral law, which determines right and wrong, good and evil. But now, wait a second, in your world, you have to erase the, you have to erase the moral law giver, God. When you erase, erase the moral law giver, there is no moral law that determines right and wrong, good and evil. So if you erase the moral law giver, you have to erase the moral law. If you erase the moral law, there is no right and wrong, good and evil. So by your own worldview, how can you say I'm wrong? As a matter of fact, all you can really say is, I don't really like your point of view. That just makes you um, intolerant. How's that? You're intolerant in my worldview, and I'm real upset about it. You know what I mean? Right? That's what happens. Because right, cause My truth is my truth because I believe it, right? And Your truth is your truth because you believe it. So you can't say I'm right or wrong. I can't, I can't be evil or, be, or, or good. All you can say is you don't like what I'm saying and in our world that makes you intolerant of me. You don't want to be intolerant, do you? You don't want to be intolerant. See, as a matter of fact, think about this, just for fun. You come to me, you call me this week, and you say, let's get together because I want to talk to you about what you were saying. Because you don't agree with what I'm saying. You think I'm wrong. And you also think that Mao is an evil person. In order for you and I to have a conversation, hear me out, in order for you and I to interact with each other and have a conversation, you must borrow from my worldview. You must borrow concepts and truths from my worldview to even have a conversation. Why? If there's no God, who, who determines what's right and wrong? I determine it. I determine it. So if you think I'm wrong, I think I'm right. Right? You say potato. I say potato. I don't know. Right? So in order to have a conversation, you have to borrow from my worldview. Okay. If Jesus didn't rise and there is no God then and you don't like what someone is saying to you or what they're doing to you the person is doing or saying something to, to you or about you or about someone you love so they're harming you or they're verbally harming you or someone you love well Wait a second. Again, if you live, believe in a naturalistic worldview, love doesn't exist either. So we'll just put that aside. So someone is saying, doing something or saying something about you or someone you love that's calling you pain. Listen to me. All you're stuck with, all you're stuck with is the reality that your experiences and your feelings are a chemical reaction in your brain responding to certain Stimuli. So what happens is I do something to you, your brain chemistry fires off a few, whatever, and all of a sudden, so it's a chemical reaction to certain stimuli, but there's no, that's all you can say. You can't say right, wrong, good, bad, whatever. All you can say is that you don't particularly like the way your brain feels right now or how you're feeling because all your experiences, you're stuck with the reality that your experiences and feelings are just chemical reactions in your brain that are responding to certain stimuli. There it is. That's just truth. That's not my opinion. That's just that's just a fact. If there's no God, if Jesus is not raised, there is no moral right or wrong. I want to be absolutely clear. If there's no God, there is nothing morally right or wrong. That's not I don't think that can be debated unless you just want to play with words. That's number 3. Number 4. If Jesus didn't rise, there's no future hope in death. There's no future hope whatsoever in death. Listen to Sigmund Freud. He said this. The father of psychology wrote this. And finally, there is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably ever will be. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, death has the final victory. We sang that song, you know, death doesn't have the final victory. We're kind of all singing it as loud as we can. But wait a second. If Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, if there is no God, if you will then death does have the final victory it does I I don't know how else to slice that bread Life struggles become meaningless and death is the exclamation point on it you suffer you're miserable it's unjust there's no right and wrong and then all of that all the struggles you face in your life all the questions you have they don't get answered why even ask them and at the end of all that death is the exclamation point on your life That's just logic. That's just reason. That's just true if there's no God. That's just all that's just true. What I'm asking you to do this morning is follow your worldview to its logical conclusion. Follow it to its logical conclusion. But, but what if he did rise? What if he did rise? then Jesus proves, Jesus' resurrection proves the truth and reality of God. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, his resurrection proves the truth and reality and existence of God. The three most important questions that all human beings ask are answered. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Take God out of the equation and none of those questions can be answered but every human on the planet asks them. Why do we ask them? Why do we even ask those things? Why? Because we're created in the image of God. Because Jesus Christ did rise from the dead and it's all true. That's why we ask the questions. Christians have victory over death because Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus said... Because I live, you also will live, in John 14, 19. In First Corinthians 15, 21 and 22, it says this For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I find my purpose, I find my meaning, I find my value in God, in the resurrection of Christ. I have all those things. I find my value and purpose in those things. I know I exist. It's to glorify God. God created me for a purpose. It is to find my purpose in this life and to use those gifts, talents, and abilities to glorify God. I am to love others as I love myself. Love my neighbor as I love myself. And then when I live that life, that glorious life, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of value, when I live that life for God, I will then spend eternity. My hope of eternity is spent with Him. That, my friends, is life laid out in a nutshell. If he's risen, you were designed with a purpose and your life has meaning. If he is risen, God will judge and bring about justice in this world or the next. No one gets away with killing 70 million people. He didn't just die in 1976. We continue to live. Just not in this world. God will judge and bring justice in this life or in the next. If Jesus Christ rose from the grave, you can listen to me. All that you've been through, all the struggles you face, all you're going through now, you can have peace, you can have joy, you can have contentment in this life. Your sins can be forgiven. All that went on in the past can be forgiven. You have hope of eternal life. Jesus said in John chapter 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, listen to this, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. But listen to what he says. Do you believe this? There's the question of the morning. Do you believe this? Does it take faith to believe in God? Absolutely. And you say, gotcha. No, you don't gotcha. You don't got me. I have a first cause, which is God. God is the first cause of all things. I believe that by faith. Because I cannot believe what you believe by faith. That nothing created everything. Random chance is a non-thing. Chance is a nothing. It has no power to do anything. But it all came about by random chance. By luck. Luck is not a thing. It cannot do anything. has the power to do nothing. So you're asking me to believe that at one point there was nothing. Nothing exploded into existence. I'm having, a cognitive, I'm having a conversation with you, whether you agree or disagree. This, my friends, is a miracle that we're even here. It is mathematically and scientifically impossible that we're all here together having this conversation on this blue planet in the middle of the universe. It's impossible. But here we are. So the question is, what do you choose to have faith in? And whatever you choose, you have to follow your choice to its logical conclusion and live that out. Be honest about your worldview and live that out. Jesus said, do you believe this? See, some of you struggle with belief in God and you you struggle with the resurrection of Jesus Christ when you should be struggling with a life without God. What you should go home and lay in your bed and really be bursting your brain over is a life... Without God. You struggle with belief in God. You struggle with having faith that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Okay, it takes faith. I understand that. But it takes way more faith, way beyond what I am capable of to believe the opposite. Then, after I believe that, it takes more than I am totally capable of to live that worldview out in my life. To me, it's not, it's unlivable. It's completely unlivable. People deny God because it's difficult. The Bible says, here's what the Bible says. Thou shalt not. And it has all kinds of things. And it wants, God says, I want you to, I love you so much. I want to protect you. I want you to follow me. People say, I don't want to follow God. There's too many things that He's asking me to do. I don't want to do that. It's too hard. It's too hard. So we just shut our brains off. And we don't follow our worldview to its logical conclusion. G.K. Chesterton wrote this. The Christian ideal has, been tr- has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Amen. I totally agree with him. That's the truth. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up in his power. Your life can be restored. It can be restored. Your past can be forgiven. You can start all over again this morning. The, the walls did not cave in when you walked in here, okay? Nothing you have ever done is shocking to God, okay? All sin, people, all the people all around you are sinners. I'm a sinner. We make mistakes. You know what? But we have Jesus Christ living in us. Those of us who have Jesus Christ living in us. Realize that if I, if I make a mistake, I confess my sin and he is faithful and just forgiving my sin and to purify me from all unrighteousness. That's the difference. God loves me that much. God loves you that much. Your life can be restored. Your past can be forgiven. Romans 6, 4 says this. Listen to this. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we too might walk in newness of life. You talk about, what does it mean to be born again? Some people talk about born again, born again Christians. That's all it means that you start over again that you get to start all over again. It means you are born again. You have a physical birthday and you have a spiritual birthday and today could be your spiritual birthday. That's basically what it means. In First, in in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, for what I receive... I passed on to you as in first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. It's time for every single person in the room to make a decision, honestly. It's time for you to to, to just stop and think through your life and make a decision. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you truly and honestly believe that... In a life without hope. Do you believe in a life without hope? Without right or wrong, good or evil. Without meaning, purpose, or value. Without justice and without God. Is that what you believe? Is that what you're choosing to to build your foundation on? Or do you believe that God sent Jesus into the world and that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins and that he rose again because God loves you that much. He loves you that much. We're here, guys. I mean, I don't know how else to break this down. You're here. How did you get here? That's faith. All I'm asking is that you think this clearly through. You think the implications... And the consequences, clearly through, of what you believe. See, this is not a fairy tale. This is not, this is, you know, the Easter bunny and, you know, we get Easter baskets and that's cool. I'm not, I'm just, that's cool. You know, candy, I like eating candy. I like to get, I have lots of grandkids now and I always tell them, hey, you know, Pops likes candy. So (laughs) I want to get candy, right? It's cool. Jesus rising from the dead is not a fairy tale. It is the very, listen to me, it is the very fabric of truth and reality. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very fabric of truth and reality. We all have a choice. I want you to bow your heads with me. I just want you to bow your heads with me as we close. If you want to walk with God this morning... And experience the power of his resurrection. I promise you. It is true. It is the most easily defended. Historical. Story. Experience that has ever happened. It's so easy to defend. And prove that Jesus Christ lived. Died and rose from the dead. And I would love to take the time to to share that with you this week. If you want to call me. But if you want to experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life, I want you to pray a simple prayer. Listen, the prayer is not what has the power. The power is in your heart. The power is in the words that you speak in your own heart to God. I know some of you are frustrated. You prayed when you were little and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to and God didn't do what you thought he should do and, and you kind of walked away. Or in your teenage years or when you got older, life has not turned out the way you wanted it to and so you're frustrated. You're ticked off at God, really. And so it's not as much you don't believe, you're just angry. It's time to let that go. And if you want to walk with God, in the power of his resurrection, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Do you want to pray it out loud? Just say it in your mind. Say it in your heart. Just, re- just repeat these words in, in or how you want to repeat them. Father, I do confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I do believe in my heart that God, you raised him from the dead. And God, I don't need the pastor and I don't even need a Bible to tell me that I'm, I'm not perfect. So I ask that you forgive me for my sin. God, I ask that you would adopt me into your family. I no longer just want to be your creation. I want to be your child and have a personal relationship with a living God. I ask that you would adopt me into your family. I pray that you would make me a new creation. I pray that the old is gone and the new has come. I pray that you give me a fresh start. I want to start over. And I know all I have to do to start over is to ask your son, Jesus Christ, to come into my life. God, help me. Give me the strength to overcome my weaknesses and the pain that I carry in my life from a past that has just been broken. Some of it inflicted upon me, Lord, you know that, and maybe some I inflicted upon myself because I was so ticked. But help me overcome those weaknesses and start again. Today, today, this day, I want to begin a new life with you. Fill me with your spirit. Show me my purpose. Show me my meaning and the reason I exist. Show me my value. I don't don't feel like I have any value. The world has just beaten it out of me. Show me who I am. Show me why I'm here. And then when this life is over, take me with you. pray these things in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. With all the heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, could you just really quickly just put your hand up? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to. Amen. 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 I would love it if you would let me know that you prayed that prayer as well, so I can give you materials. I can get you connected and help you grow in your faith relationship with Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the resurrection, the truth, the truth, the absolute truth of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that we close out this service in praise to you. We give you our praise. We give you our worship because we love you and we want to celebrate these lives that were transformed this morning in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. If you would, here's what I'd like to do. Okay. As we close out, everybody stand up. I'm not, nothing embarrassing for anybody. I promise. But... You know, because people come to church, they don't know what you're going to do. Hey, you, why don't you come up here and do a dance? You know what I mean? It's not going to happen, okay? Hey, hey, you. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Here's what I'd like you to do. As a mass, if we could kind of fill the front as we sing this last song together. I know we're standing. Let's get up here. Come and smell the rose. Come and smell the flowers. That's how close I want you to be. Come on up.